please settle right in, everyone. But first, a warning for pregnant women in the faint of heart. You might want to leave the theater now, because the film you are about to see, a film by me, T.F. Merritt, is possibly the most horrifying story ever put to celluloid. And why? Because it's all true. It happened to me, you see, and now it will happen to you. May I present Night of the Ghoul. Night of the Ghoul. Written by Scott Snyder. Art by Francisco Francovia. In the beginning, there was nothing. Then there were comic books. Once you enter our world, there is no escape. Comic exposure begins in 3, 2, 1. Welcome to the Comic Exposure Podcast. My name is Josh Buckley, and uh, my podcast ghoulie is the one, the only. I pity the ghoul! Travis Ratz here. (laughs) welcome to the show everybody uh and the comic exposure podcast travis and i sit down dive deep into graphic novels and trades on something we like to call a comic book club episode and you are with us my fine folks on that comic book club comic book club episode there we go and this is a spooky book a spooky in the middle of in in the middle of the summer or what's I this? guess in the way. What's this? Another spooky book. What's this? What's this? It's too early for this book. <laughs> but we are diving into a spooky book for this episode. We figured, you know what? Uh Halloween in Jul- in early August, I guess, is when this'll uh is when this will come out. And what we did is we read a comicsology original. I think this is the have we brought we read one other comicsology. Yeah, original. the one that happened in the snow. Yeah, the Jeff Lemire book. And now we're reading a Scott Snyder and Francesco Francavilla. Such yes. a fun one to oh, say. Oh, classic comic exposure uh, past uh, authors <laughs> that we and right. artists that we have gushed over in the past. Yes, and we are we're reading Night of the Ghoul, a spooky book. Uh, Scott Snyder writing it, Francesco Francavilla doing art and colors, and the letters by And World Design, who I am I assume is not a a real name. Unless that's someone's name. That seems weird. Yeah. And world. And, and world design. It's, it and does. World. It sounds like a, uh, uh, like and like one basketball. Name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a, it's like a pen. A, 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 it's my studio and I do all the letters. Or like a, um, a site, like a weird internet fight site. Like, did you go to andworld.com and check out <laughs> that kid punching check out those, in the face? Yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, that's, that's, what it's, that's what it feels like. But we're, we're, we read this one, Comics Hollywood Original. So you and I, Travis, we got to read this for free because we are prime It was so, how, and great. First of all, Josh, how, <laughs> excuse me, how great is it just clicking on single issues? Read for free. Read for free. Yes. Read for free. Read for free. Read for free. <laughs> and then just reading them all and not having to uh, purchase them and get the one thing, Comixology. I'm looking at you in this app. Just let me put a bunch of stuff in my cart and let me pay for it at once when yes. I have to pay for stuff. Otherwise, I have to like click buy now and then I get five different receipts in my in my email. Just let me pay one time. Yep. Let me put them in my cart, baby. Yeah, That's what let, I want. Can I package all six of them at once? Or do I have to go yes. click on each can of them? Can I just yeah. go by series? Yes. Uh, because this is a sort of, or 
maybe not, a uh, mini, right? Six yeah. issues, done story, something that you and I have grown to love as uh, host as hosts of the Comic Exposure Podcast, because oftentimes we read things, the first volume, and we never get to know the ending. We're a first volume fellows. Yeah, we're first, we're first volume. Good day to we, you. I'm a first volume fellow. We only read, you know, it's like we only read Fellowship of the Ring. We didn't read the rest. <laughs> it's fine. There's not even wizards. not even the Hobbit. <laughs> we went straight to Fellowship yeah. of the Ring. We read one. That's it. We're done. Um, so let me tell you well, a little let's, bit. Let's, you want me to tell you a little about about the, this? Because yeah, you know, I, 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 I heard. Wanna, can you tell me about two things? Because I know you did a little homework. Can you tell me uh, a little bit about what I mean. What's with Comicsology and Scott Snyder? Right. This is a big. Big time writer, right, 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 right in DC, writing for Vertigo, writing Dark Horse, writing, I mean, dude wrote Batman, wrote a great run on Batman, and here he is, writing a... Uh, a Eisner, award-winning writer. A, yes, uh, is writing something for Comicsology, and not something, we did read a Jeff Lemire book, also, fantastic writer, um, but I'm curious, what do, you, what do you know about that? Well, I, well, it's interesting, you know, we've been talking a lot lately, you know, we just did that Reckless book uh, last episode, and so we, we're talking a lot about these new models in which these writers are trying to put out their stuff. And we right. talked about how we love the Brubaker uh, model of those, like, mini graphic novels in a series. Uh, Scott Snyder, in 2000, I remember him listening to an interview with him on a podcast where he was talking about this deal before he actually had written the books. Uh, so he has this, his, his publishing company is called Best Jacket Press, right? Okay. Uh, and so they made, he made a deal with Comixology for eight titles to come out in 2021. Or was it 2021, 2022? Eight titles. And so what he did is he, he took the deal because it allowed him to, cre- to get his friends, which is like a, a murderer's row of creative talent. Like Jacques, right. he's doing a book with Jacques. He did one with uh, 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 Franchella. Uh, uh, and there's a couple other ones. Oh, uh, Capula. Uh, you name them. Yeah. Just like the, the, the heavies of the heavies. And each of the titles, he could explore like a different genre or a different type of storytelling. Yeah. So he did it from the aspect of like he has complete creative control, the complete ability to set up his team and do it through his publishing company, which then gets picked up and put digitally first on comiXology so you get the series first on comiXology and then it goes to dark horse and then dark horse will print out the Mm. the volumes and the trades so it reminds me of like almost a studio system like the way a movie is made like there'll be a production company like bad robot will make it and then warner brothers will put it out and then so and so will distribute it you know right right uh so it's kind of like that old school model of that yeah i do like the idea of you know, oh, you know what? I, I think I did see the same thing uh, that you could get the Jeff Lemire book in print too. So there must be a, a group of them like working this out, right? Because this is a digital only sort of publication. And how do you switch it over? Um, I, I think that's an interesting model. Having been able to read it for free on Comixology, I don't know that I would go. I mean, I do really like Francesco Francovia's artwork. But I don't know if this is one I would need to hold in my hand. Yeah. And that doesn't say it's not quality, but I just mean like there are certain things where I'm like, ooh, I need I need that in print. Um, I don't know if this is that. And I don't know the book we read with Lemire and Jock is that either, right? Right. It looked great, but I just don't know if it was if it's the thing that I need physically. But I think it's kind of cool because there are people who don't 
have comiXology. They'll yeah. never do that, right? Yeah. And I guess this is a good way to kind of test the waters on a book, especially right now when, like, the way comiXology works now that it's taken over by Amazon um, fully is that, like, you literally, every time you get into comiXology, you're smacked in the face with comiXology originals. Uh-huh. Like, that, exactly. that is what they're pushing. Right. You can get all your other stuff, but what they're pushing are those originals, you know? Well, I think one of the things that maybe we could talk about today after we talk about the story, uh, because I think we're going to agree on a lot of the story, is... Yeah. um, Okay, we've read two comicology original series that are from these big writers that we love. What is... Also, two really good artists that we like, right? We like Jock, we like... Uh, Frank Avia, I have you know I have some hardcover Frank Avia stuff that he wrote by himself on my shelf next to me right now. Yeah, the like, Archie stuff. Yeah, he has Archie, and then he did a couple of his own things. Uh, the Black Beetle. I have two volumes of his Black Beetle book. He did a Spirit one. I think I've got that. Oh, that'd be that'd be cool to see yeah. him do Spirit. So yeah. he did he did a Spirit book. I've got that right here next to me. Um, so I like him. He's a great artist. He, he's fun. He does. It's different. So we'll right. talk about like what's what's uh, happening with these teams when they team up with Comixology. What's what are we liking? What what is not yeah. hitting the mark? And we can kind of talk about like once these artists get filtered through this system, what seems to be happening? Uh, and maybe it's coincidence, or maybe this is a trend, or maybe it's just the type of story that Comixology wants to put out. Um, yeah. So yeah. We'll, we'll see so on here. Let's let's talk a little bit about the plot of this. I mean, it is a spooky book, so we get the. Um, the you know essentially you have the the plot is this guy goes to this nursing home mm-hmm. and in his possession is this movie first real film yeah. first reel of this film that has been destroyed the ending of it is gone and he believes it's the best horror movie ever made mm-hmm. and he's there at this nursing home because the he believes the long lost missing director who apparently died in the fire that destroyed the end of the film while they were making it, all of those things, is in this nursing home. And he's trying to find the rest of the movie because he thinks it's the best horror film ever. In the background is that this is all real. The horror film is not a film. It was, but at the same time... The old the, man, the uh, Merritt reveals to him that this film that he, he is so fond of is actually a true story about what happened to his father when he went uh, to war and was possessed by a, a the ancient a ghoul. ghoul. The ancient ghoul, yeah. which is a fantastic. I love I love, I love that it's ghoul. I love it's ghouls. like a fun it's a fun word. Like mm-hmm. it's it's uh, having, you know, being inundated right now. I think Marvel is doing uh or no dc is doing they did they did zombies now they're vampire like now there's vampires yeah there's vampires and are all over marvel right now there's werewolf right so normally i think we we almost read one i don't know that we read it that was like i feel like every story ends up being something but with werewolves or something but with zombies right um and this is kind of nice that it's just a straight up monster book right right well, it's There's funny, a spooky right you mentioned ghoul uh i did a, uh i don't know if you if i sent it to you or you saw any of it but i did like a uh one act monologue play that i filmed with my kids that i wrote about this called the rise of tommy rotten 
And yeah. I really made it a point to not use the word zombie in it because I didn't really want him to be a zombie. I wanted this to be more of a general ghoul. And I think ghoul is broad enough that it, it can mm-hmm. be anything. It's just monsters. It's yeah. just a, a fun way of saying monster. It could be... And they make it a point in this book to talk about how in the, in the film this guy makes... Uh, uh, or the history of the ghoul is the ghoul is actually responsible for all the monsters because it's just a slightly right. different version depending on when it comes out and what culture it's in. And so I love, I've always loved the term ghoul. Uh, it's got yeah. a nice, uh, we, we're, we're, we like, we're old punk rockers. It's got that nice kind of late 80s, yeah. early 90s. Misfits sort yeah, of cheap like. thrills uh, yeah, uh, kind yeah. of kind of approach to it where right. any, anyone that is anything that is abnormal and sort of uh, superstitious is a ghoul. Right. And it, remember the movie Ghoulies where they're in the toilet? I only remember, I can specifically remember the cover of it as a child going to like the uh, family video or whatever and going through and seeing the cover of this green little monster coming out of a toilet uh, for the film Ghoulies. Um, but the story goes story goes um, in this direction. He's there. It flips back and forth from, from seeing the actual film to the conversation in the nursing home, back to the film, back and forth. And what we find out is that the ghoul still exists, mm-hmm. right? Um, and this sort of, oh, we need to rescue the film director because he's the, like – they're trying to get him and cover up that he knows about the ghoul. Like there's this whole network of people who worship the ghoul and protect the ghoul. So it can come back every 100 years or whatever it is. Uh, And um, it was a, it was a, a fun twist at the ending, something I wasn't expecting. And we'll, we'll get back to that. Um, But I want to ask you, Travis, um, I think a story like this, a horror story like this, because it feels very B-movie. Yeah, right? Tales from the Crypt. It, yeah, it feels very Tales from the Crypt, very brief, very kind of B-movie-esque, but also the twist at the end is kind of Twilight zone mm-hmm. right? Like, that's the right. Man, the, the wing. Yeah. The, well, Tales, something on the wing, some creature. It's very like Tales of the Dark Side, mm. uh, you know, that, that ooh, there's the twist oh, at the what end. Oh, what a twist. <laughs> yeah, and so... so what did you think? I mean, these are both an artist and a writer. Um, what did you think about the basic, this idea of bouncing back and forth between the film and present day? What did that do for you? Do you think that was a good device? How did you feel about it? You know, I, anytime we read something, you know, these stories, like, you know, we rehash certain tropes and you kind of find the patterns in, in things. So I always, when I, when I realize I'm stepping into familiar territory where I'm like, okay, I kind of get where the story's going and kind of, what the flavor is. I look for like, what are they doing original? And I really like how the way that the book does it is when he's telling the story, you're in the flashback mode, but you're not really in flashback. You're watching the, the film film. and you you forget that until the last book when all of a sudden it's like cut, like there's a fire, like get out of here. And you realize, Oh, these aren't, this isn't his, father this is the actor playing his father in the flashback and i thought that was kind of just a small thing to bring in that i hadn't seen before that was fun yeah and i think you know the the last book that we just did for comic book club also kind of involved that 
B-movie scream queen sort of thing. And so it's interesting that two books we're reading back to back kind of unplanned have that sort of underneath. I wrote that down as a question to ask you. We've seen that not just in the last two, but quite a bit over the last three years of comics. What do you think it is about comic book creators and this uh, reverence for not just film, but also like old film and directors? Do you think it's just any kind of creative type or... Uh, well, I, I think so. I think you're, I mean, like creativity likes creativity, right? I right. think that you, you seek out, if, you, if you're in a field, you want to seek out what are people doing in other fields that are really good, especially in the medium of like art, right? Whether right. that's uh, comics, you know, uh, writing prose and novels, short stories or film, they're also tied together. It's this act of storytelling. So you probably seek out inspiration from all those things. And I also think, Travis, like these are all guys that are our age or a little older than we are who grew up when all you could watch sometimes on Sunday was old horror movies. Right. Right. Or that's all that was on late at night when you woke up and you Universal turned on the TV. Monsters, you yeah. snuck, you snuck down to the, you know, the den or wherever, and that's what you could watch. Like, and then you know, if if they had folks like like my mom loved those Universal Monster movies, mm-hmm. so we had those on VHS. We had the Abbott and Costello movies where it's yeah. Abbott and Costello meet Me, Frankenstein. Frankenstein. So Dracula, that, yeah. that old Hollywood Bella Lugosi sort of thing. I think if you like comic books, I, I just feel like, especially if you like comic books in your our age, I think kids who get comic books or manga now, it's not necessarily the same mm-hmm. because it's, I think it's more, it's a little more mainstream to read a manga than, than I think it was for, you know, kids to like in like, late elementary junior high to read comic books for like Mm -hmm. you and I, you were a nerd if you like star Wars. Right. And now everybody wears star Wars t-shirts. So I think like finding that little thing, right. That thing that you connect to um, and having that thing, because you were kind of the outcast kid. So, you know, Sundays, whatever you watched those universal monster movies, or, you know, you found that thing to do. And so I think there's a connection there. And I really just think nostalgia reigns supreme, man. Mm-hmm. Always. Yeah. I agree with you. I, I also think, and maybe, maybe I'm reading too much into this or putting too much on these comic book writers, but I think there also is this sense of, um, you know, comics, I mean, now a lot of these comic book writers do write for like television shows or, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, streaming platforms. But I think for a long time it was if you couldn't quite get an in with writing a screenplay, you could go write comic books. Right. So I I don't think and there are some that interviews that would say, oh, no, I'm always going to write comics, no matter if I get these scripts or sell these scripts. Yeah. But I think for a lot of people who start, start writing comics, if you were to be like, would you rather be writing scripts for Hollywood or you'd rather be writing these comics? And I wonder if just the prestige of writing for Hollywood, <laughs> I w- yeah, you know, yeah. is a sense of uh-huh. like every comic book writer is secretly also kind of wanting to be a, a Hollywood screenwriter too, right? Right. There's a or little more bona fides to right? that, yeah. yeah. Or, they, or they polish scripts because they were a writer and they needed money. So that was, you know, they yeah. were in that realm of writing. Um, I also think if you, if you, I mean, that nostalgia piece of it that I, that I mentioned is true, but I also just think like, it is hard to tell a story in modern times. Yes. That doesn't have 
all of the modern solutions have, right? There's a reason why Stranger takes place in the 80s, and they have to have walkie-talkies that can't travel certain distances. I just watched the first episode of Paper Girls, which is based on a comic book where it takes place in the 80s. I mean, it jumps back and forth between two time periods, but there's a reason it's set in the 80s. There's a reason why this takes place here, right? Yeah. There's a cell phone, right? There is a cell phone, so that takes which place helps, in calls. It helps a lot of the characters out, yeah. Right, right? So, but there's this also thing, like, the spooky part is the flashbacky part, right? Right. And that flashback part, well, there is no cell phone on this movie set lot, right? And how has this ghoul been able to hide for so long? The lack of technology, right? And I think that throwback to those writing stories that take place in old Hollywood or stories that take place in the 80s, you solve a lot of your immediate solution problem. Right, right. Like, oh, I don't know. You know what what sucks? To like have a kid just go like, how to make... Uh, you know, how to make blah, blah, blah onto his phone instead of like this, the montage scene of the kids going to the library yeah, and yeah. having to buy the stack of books and the librarian goes like, kids, you know what I mean? Like you get that scene that otherwise it's like- The microfish. Hey, yeah, like, <laughs> hey Google, how do you build, you know, whatever, right? Um, so I think there's just something more, there's, there's more story to tell right. when you use that old, right? Well, we liked the flashback in, in, in this. Yeah. Uh, and I liked the... And I also think Frank Avia is perfect. Yeah, for to, this book. Yeah. Part of part of me wants to... Part of me wonders, like, what would it be if it were Frank Avia and another artist, and Frank Avia only did the movie part, only did the film, right. and another artist did the other part? I, that's the... Like, he does a really good job of, like, it's it has a grain to it. It's a different color, right? It's that black, it's that sea black and white. Um, so there is a stark difference between seeing in modern being on the in the film, but I really am curious, like, would it hit different if it were two different artists doing it? And my, that might be my yeah. brain. It might just be my brain because I just read uh Strange Adventures where like Doc Shaner and uh, Mitch Garrett's like just jump back and forth all the so my brain might be in that mode. In that mode, and you um, see that more and more. Yeah, these these artists kind of taking on these projects together, which allows yeah. you know them to come out in timely ways and stuff like that. They're sharing the right. load and stuff yeah. like that, and their style kind of reflects the era. Um, I only have to do ten pages instead of twenty two. Exactly, you know? <laughs> exactly. Um, and and I liked the atmosphere. I I really liked. The, it was a small story, even though it had some uh-huh. scope to it. And I like that. I love the image of the the burnt old man sitting in the the bed. So gross looking. Yeah, 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 that was really cool. I did find that I like the small story, but I feel that there was a lot of exposition dumping because he wanted to create this kind of history to the ghouls and give it a sense that this story is bigger than the than just this small this is the end of a larger story and a larger right. history yeah. of the ghoul i felt that sometimes they were just talking about things that had happened a lot instead of actually just showing you especially in a visual medium like that's why the flashbacks were nice we got to see them battling and we got to see them questing right but a lot of times right. it was like and you'll need to find this or this is where they come from um which I like a lot. I love the old explaining of where the ghoul yes. comes from. Uh, There's a lot of dialogue. It is a yeah. dialogue-heavy book. And 
it's not bad dialogue I mean, because there are sometimes when you read something and it is a slog yeah. to get through the dialogue. This didn't feel like that, but I agree with you. It's a lot of people talking. Yeah. It's it a did... lot of like old man, the other guy, like going back and forth. Well, what about this, sir? And then, you know, that, that just is a large chunks of it are that. Yeah, and I don't know if you felt this way. And this is not a bash on them because everyone's having different places in their careers. And I haven't read the other titles you did for comicsology, Scott Snyder, but it doesn't feel like Scott Snyder necessarily. It doesn't feel like witches and American vampire. It, there's something about the dialogue. It feels a less poetic and more functional. I'm curious if this is a very like, is you never know because you. I wonder like because artists and writers can work so differently together. If it really was Scott's really outlining what the story is mm. and Frank Avia is doing a big bulk of it, right? right like, yeah. uh, you're, this is what I want to happen. This is what it is. Um, you think of like the Marvel method, right? right like, yeah. It wasn't, I didn't, they didn't always, the writer didn't always write all the dialogue. Right. right. Yeah, you're so, right. I, I'm curious as to if, if that plays a part of it, if that plays into, I have to write this many stories for comiXology. I'm going to find a way to do it. Um, and Frank Avia is both a writer and an artist. Like he's put his own stuff out before. So I'm that's, curious. That's what I was thinking about this book. And we'll talk about it at the end where I talk about where, where I, we kind of talk about what we think about this kind of model and where the downsides to that are, uh, you know, with the eight titles is a lot, but yeah, I just did. It's not in a bad way. It wasn't bad writing. It just didn't have that. No. Like if you, if this was a Pepsi versus Coke test and you gave me this and you're like, who's the writer? I, I don't think I would have said Scott Snyder. Right. I also think it's part of like, I think it's also trying to be a, it's trying to be the twilight zone. It's trying right. to be that thing. So the, the dialogue reflects that, that genre, if you will. Right. That's the way I approached it on the back half of this. I said, you know what? This isn't the, the personal story uh, themes that maybe witches has with Scott Snyder right. or, or American vampire. This is just uh, like, it feels very workman. Like okay, let's here's, try to let's let's try to tell a story. Let's, let's try to tell this story let's that sit feels da- like let's, let's yeah. sit down in an, in in an afternoon and outline it. Like in one afternoon, this isn't something I've been working on for years and years. This is like a hey, I was at the MVD uh, the other day and I thought about oh, to be cool. Uh, this happened and let me go and outline that up. And I think yeah. there's a place for that in comics. Um, it's not to blow your hair back. You know, it's not the saga. It's not the. It's no. not that type of thing, but it is kind of like a, a good snack. It's pulpy. Yeah. It's very pulpy, right? It feels like a pulp because, but it's, not it, not in a, an homage to pulp. Not like no. a, not like a reckless where it's just like we. I am like getting every detail of pulp right. Right. It feels like the spirit of pulp. And, right, and I also don't want. I also don't want this to sound bad because I don't mean it to be bad, but it feels like. Like a, a dime store novel. Yeah. Right? Like it feels very much like it, it's it's this sort of like, oh, quick read it, you're good. Right? Yeah. Nah, 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 nah. It's yeah, done. Yeah. And it was a guy who wrote it and, you know, it wasn't, it's not about deep characters. It's not about relationships. It's not about necessarily telling a theme or story. I mean, it might be in there a little bit, but it really is like, let's just, let's just do this adventure. Let's just do this thing. And let's just tell the story. That's why I think it feels very much like a episode of the Twilight Zone. Yes. It feels like an episode. 
it doesn't feel like it has to have larger implications larger relationship stuff because it's going to pick up in the next episode right right um yeah nor is it beautifully thought out in the pulp genre it's just that pulp spirit of like i'm gonna sit down and tell a quick story uh there are some familiar beats in it i will put a couple of new things in here that you might not have seen before that are very specific to this story uh and and once i wrapped my head around that i was like okay and it was so quick to read it was so quick to read yeah that that you're like, all right, there. I think there's a place for these tentpole creators to kind of just go and have a little playground, just to, a little recess from their their big projects, their tentpole works, their that that type of stuff. And so once I once I kind of put that in perspective, uh, I, I I enjoyed the book a lot more. Yeah, I I would agree with you. I, it just to me, it felt like a really um, it. I mean, it was just a fun little read, right? Right. It's not where I'm like, I'm going to, it's not the thing that I'm going to go back and read every couple. And it's not Watchmen, right? Yeah. I'm not going to go back and read it and find something new the next time. It's, it's not, you know, but it was a fun, it, I really does feel like it's that, it's that dime store novel. It's that nickel book, right? Like right. it's that, it, it feels like, oh, I read it. It was fun. Mm, I'm yeah. Good. They're not bending over backwards. They're bringing you something new on every page. It's right. like we're going to rely a lot on on yeah. what you know of like a, a ghoul story. And it has right. the elements. I love the, like we talked about, let's talk about that. At one point they go visit this old professor, this woman who has been researching the ghouls throughout history. Right. And you have these long balloon uh, uh, balloons about the history of the ghoul, which I always love. And then she joins them on their quest for a little bit. Right. Uh, in some it, way, it, it reminded me of BPR. Yeah, yeah, BPRD or also like Indiana Joneses. Yeah, a little. It right? reminded me of the flashbacks. Reminded me of the B- BPRD vampire stories uh, that we yeah. we did many many years yeah. ago. Um, the 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 sergeants on the quest. It's always great to see that we always go to like Vietnam or World War II <laughs> as yeah. a place to drop in the occult. You know, right, right. What do you What did you think about? Uh, I mean, what did you think about the monster itself, the ghoul itself? We don't really see it a lot, but what we do see, the image of it living inside of the person. Mm, Josh what is talking you about this that? great uh, splash page, I believe, uh, where uh, the the uh, guy gets an x-ray, and we see uh, the x-ray of his father, and we see that there is this ghoul curled up in his abdomen, and it's this, right. this kind of unlined shadowy x-ray of this ghoul and that image is one of those things that i was talking about where it's like "Ooh, i haven't seen this before right and that was a fun kind of cool thing right and then later we see the ghoul kind of take on the form almost as like an alien face hugger where it's spider-like and it comes out of the mouth we saw that a little bit in witches kind of that uh even though i know uh francesca does that was jock but this sense of like these like talon like spider like right. th- razors and like on this this is its hands coming out of the mouth of the person but it does look like spider legs right because it's the four fingers coming out of the mouth so it can crawl out of the person and it was and like i really enjoyed sort of and then so i guess it goes into again i mean we just we've read these books where it's like a cult and there's this group of people keeping mm. this thing alive and you get the scene where he's in the basement of the old folks home and the guy who runs the old folks home is like the leader of the, the, um, you know, the, the 
cult that worships the ghoul. Yeah. And you get this this sort of picture of him with this dis, this very pregnant belly, like there's a ghoul in him or something. And the and the headdress he's wearing is a skull with these like spines coming out of it. Like the That's ghoul. A great, and it's, yeah. It is a cool like these are things that I haven't seen in, in a lot of the horror books we've read, although it does draw on this trope of like the zombie and the spider and the, you know what I mean? Let like, me ask you something, Josh. Have you ever yeah. in your life had any inclination to seek out more information or possibly join a group like the Masons or uh, Shriners or anything like that? So here's a, here's Midwest, a they're My, big, yeah. They are. My grandfather was a part of a group called the Fraternal Order of Oddfellows. Um, so my great grandfather was a, a that's a great name for a band, the fraternal order of odd fellows. And it was, uh, get this, I found this out later, like a socialist, like political club. Okay. Like this very sort of like, we help the community. We do these things like Uh this very sort of thing. Um, and so I've always been curious about that. And we had a family friend whose husband was a Mason. Right. Uh-huh. Or the ring and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah. And I always kind of like I wanted like they they have they got divorced and, and I haven't seen him in forever. But like in the back of my head, Gabby and I and back in the back of my head and every once in a while, Gabby and I would talk and be like, maybe I should get really I should like start to hang out with him and see if I can become if I can get into the Mason Club. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and that see that secret society. Right. Like, yeah, there's I think there's just something incredibly. I mean, the Illuminati, the idea that there's this organization that runs everything, this uh, secret thing, because the skulls, all the bad things, yeah. right? The bad things that happen can't really be our fault. The good things that happen can't, you know, if it happens to somebody, they don't deserve it. It's got to be this, we need to blame something or right. pin it on something. Right. And I really do, I think there's something inherently creepy about that. What do you What do you think? How about you? Have you ever like... My dad, uh, you know, your, your dad, your dad ever have like a jewelry box, like or a box uh, where he kept like yeah. old trinkets and stuff like that, yeah. like a pocket watch yeah. and a pocket yeah. knife. Uh, I remember like I used to love to go to my dad. So it was about the size of a laptop and you open it up and there'd be these things from his past, you know, and yeah. one of them was the sonic ring. And I asked him, he explained to me. So at one point he was uh, a Mason. I think in Indiana, I think it's kind of just like you just do it, you know. Uh, at one point, like they approached him to do the KKK as well there. Um, Oof. Yeah, thank God he didn't have any, any of that stuff in the box. <laughs> no, he didn't, he didn't end up joining it. But that was a typical thing in that town that you did. People were a member of it. It's crazy, man. Um, yeah. And uh, I remember asking him about it, and he was kind of he was tell- trying to explain to me. I was a young kid. I never really followed up as an adult, or like what happened to that. I think he just yeah. got sick of it's. A- after a while, it just probably starts to feel like another thing you have to do, like going to right. church or like an AA yeah. meeting, you know. Um, <laughs> but I'm sure if it's if the chapter in your town is very active, I'm sure it's like a fun like hangout. You know, well, I mean, we we've seen the Flintstones, right? They're like bowling and drinking beers, those yeah. buffalo, right? Yeah. So I, yeah, I always think, but there's always something spooky about it, right? Because you don't know, like, you don't get to know about it. There's a secret handshake. There's a ring. There's a meeting room you can't go into, and all of that is very the mystery of it. Yeah. Always leads us. To, I think it always leads humans to believe like there's some there's some crazy shit. Yeah, and then it's being protected, and the history is like uh, sacred through these things. I'd like to join No Ma'am from uh, Married Children, Al Bundy's. <laughs> all right, all right, or <laughs> let, 
the little rascals club is that yeah the one yeah exactly but this sense of he, like he man woman haters there is something there are groups uh in these small communities that protect the history of these things and you know it's a great fodder ground for legends to come out of and it's ghost stories because yeah. it's just a bunch of people who are generations in this thing t- like making legends out of people and places and right. things so i think that actually uh, it would be interesting in comics to explore more specifically just a group instead of a group like it is in this book being an outside force, ex machina yeah. force that kind of comes in and helps save the day, which it often is used as is a shortcut to get a group of fighters. Uh, it'd be yeah. interesting to explore the nature of these clubs. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I always, I, there's this, I, look, yes. Um, I think that need to know drives a big part of this story, right? Right. Because there were two groups, the group that fought the ghoul and kept it at bay, the group that supported the ghoul. But of course, over hundreds of years, the good group has, you know, like gone away and it's only the perv creepy dudes who are, who have stuck around. And this final scene, the final sort of battle between the police and like who are part of this group the bad people and uh the the ghoul and we find out that in reality the people who we thought were bad the whole time are not bad and the people you thought were good are bad this is like i said a very twilight zoney spin that i did not see coming yeah and it was all there and right. I saw a lot of stuff coming, but I'm like, oh, yeah, of course, they're the good guys. This old guy's been creepy the whole time and has been a little bit untrustworthy narrator of his own kind of story there. Uh, and then they come right. in and, and they save it up there. What did you think about the art on this? I know you talked about it a little bit, but like having like, again, we talked about what, what kind of story this is kind of like yeah. in the spirit of pulp, but not trying to be a thing in itself. So to get like a powerhouse artist on this. What what what? How did you feel it worked? I I love Frank Avia. I I think he's he's perfect for a book like this because his images are always very old timey comic pulpy sort of spooky, right? Like he does that very well because he uses so much black, right? Right, and he colors himself, and the where the way he colors himself. Because he does it himself, he colors in moods mm-hmm. or in hues, right? Mm-hmm. So an entire panel will be reds. An entire page will be, you know, like, oh, well, it's a flashlight. So everything's very bright yellow. And then everybody's this cool blue because mm-hmm. we're in the dark. Everything feels like um, how they purposely shot X-Files to be dark. Right. right? Like, that's what it feels like is he... He's recreating that sort of thing. There's even that is... moment in like the fourth book where it almost feels very 80s coloring with the, the right. bright blues and purples. Right. And he's just, he is a artist who is, he just does mood. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's what he's, that's what he does really well. Sometimes it looks, sometimes some of his panels look a little quick. Right. He didn't spend enough time on him. But I also think that that's what you get when this is the type of artist you are. When this is when your medium is, you know, like big dark 
and limited uh it's almost impressionistic right it's not necessarily it's not realistic it's not super cartoony but it is cartooning and at the same like you know what i mean he's sparse with what he does he uses hatch marks to get across texture a lot because he's not going to draw texture like that's not what he does he uses his ink to create Mm. um you know uh depth as opposed to drawing lines right Mm -hmm. i feel like he's like oh i want to make this look like it's farther away i'm gonna just use dark color here right right and then i'm just gonna use i'm just gonna use a really light shadow here to highlight this to show what it looks like Uh but i think if you're gonna create a story that's supposed to have a very sort of dark um not not dark like oh god i'm so scared and it's gory dark but dark Mm -hmm. like it's supposed to feel noir at or like this sort of dark twilight zone 50s look to it. He's your guy, right? There's a reason why he was so perfect on that Archie book. Yeah, no, and I think that even Archie gets a little bit more grotesque than this book. And that's what I was kind yeah. of waiting for. Like cause a lot of, a lot of artists probably got this script. They would probably go like, I'm going to make this monster design as terrifying as possible i'm gonna make you know uh everything just like gory or gruesome and he doesn't do that he pulls himself back aside from a few f-bombs in here this feels like something you could have given a uh uh you know a young kid i mean with the f-bombs in there i don't know but like and in and in reality you're right it only really gets gory when the ghoul finally emerges and right? yeah but we and, and you only get like one shot of that gore it's not like right. every time you see it right right um i thought that was like a really sort of um i i liked it because i think it kept in context of it feeling like an old thing it felt it like he gave it, himself boundaries that didn't it like he right yeah and it also, I mean, it made it feel like I was watching a TV show from 1988. That's right? what it or is. Whatever. It feels more like a TV show than like a radar movie that you'd have to get like, right. your parents' permission to rent. Right. It feel, like I said, it does feel like, I mean, even Tales from the Crypt was a little gory every once in a while. Yeah. But like, it feels very much like that, right? It feels very much like movie horror. Or not movie horror, but you know what I mean? Like, like monster magic as opposed to like cgi if that makes it feels like it was like it feels like it was made in a time where well we can't make it look that gross there's no way the puppets look right right it's we're not going to be able to make it look that great like the scene in scanners where the dude's head blows up like that doesn't look real and it's not like super gory but it's gory right it feels like this sort of tame gore um and i think that plays into the nature of it feeling very old when yeah. it's supposed to be a modern you yeah know? and now that you said that what i, what I would suggest to S- snyder is i would go back in and i would remove like the the four f words in here because it doesn't and I, i'm gonna tell you i don't even remember that they're in there yeah so that's yeah because like, I, I was reading this and i every time i read something that's like gonna be like six, six issues i'm like oh could yeah. i do this with like a theater group or something like that, or like okay. have kids read it for something as genre based. And, um, and then, so I'm very aware of like how many times like, like curse words come up in, in, in things. Uh, and I love yeah. good curse word, but I was like, Oh, you're so close to making this be approachable for everyone. But 
just like those four instances of the F word in there, I would just get rid of it because it doesn't even doesn't really add anything to these characters. Right. Uh, you got a father, a young kid in here, the young kid entry. So I, I might do that, and then it would truly be like that TV show late night, right? Tales from the right. Crypt, Twilight Zone type thing. Right. I also think like you just said, you just mentioned that like doing it with your theater kids. This would be a great theater production. Yeah, you right? could do it. Yeah, because it's very limited set. Yeah, it takes place in the in the home, really in a foyer and in the and then in the office where the you could you could do that there's the sort of like flashbacky scene where it's like a jungle and just like oh we're in a library talking to this you know what i mean it feels very much like you could it feels almost stage play which makes me i think make it feel like it feels like an old tv show yeah i i would do it as you'd have the two the two sets you'd have the hospital and then you'd have just a general decayed a mansion, which you could also use as a burned down theater at the end, you know, type thing, yeah. and and that that and also where all the flashback just take him out of the jungle and put him in that that thing. But yeah, it feels it feels small, but it feels like it's big. It's it's got a good pace. I will say that there is some exposition dumps on there that are that I I think Scott Snyder at his best is is better than doing, but it also fits into so, what we we're talking about. I wonder, do you think? And this is let's just get to that really. Yeah. Let's get to the limitations of this genre of this yeah. of this model. It's six issues and it has to be six issues. Yeah. And so if you want to tell this story and you want to and you want to get that history in, you have to you have to dump it like yeah, that. Yeah, you have to dump right? it. And I also think it's too with this particular contract of maybe like biting off. That's a lot to bite off. Eight new series. I'm sure he had a lot of them in his back pocket. But as far as like outlining and putting them out there, that's a lot to do. Uh, and so, you know, when, like when I write something, it's usually exposition until I go back in several other times and figure out like, okay, how can I show this instead of tell this? So yeah. it's just like you just get it all out there. So it's almost like this almost feels in some places like a draft where he like, let me just tell it. And then just didn't go back. Either it had the time based on the limitations of the six issues. Right. Uh, uh, or the space or the time to go back in and be like, okay, how could I show this instead of telling it? Right. I agree with you. And I, I, I think the, so the sort of limitations of this um, and, and I think you would fall into it, even if, even if it was image, who's like, yeah, dude, you can do a mini series here, six sure. issues. Yeah, yeah. Like that's fine. You want to do six issues? You're Scott Snyder. Awesome. Or, you know, like dark horse who, or who, you know, um, whatever publishers like oh yeah sure man here you go just do it do it here right yeah, yeah six issues you got it do what you need but i it feels very much like he gets to put whatever he wants on paper right, right. you could do what you want and because it is in this format and you're not necessarily right now beholden to sales right right it's like the netflix model mm -hmm. right like there's so much stuff that's dumped on netflix some of it's awesome some of it's something I just play to have something in the background. Right. Some of it's just a good little thing. And so I think that model of pushing out content, right. just pushing out content means that it's not always going to be the highest caliber work. Right. Right. It's if, not everyone's I, pet project as we talked about before. Well, yeah. like we're, we're, we're thinking about like, we just read that Brubaker and Phillips yeah, book. It's so hard that, to come read anything after but, that. <laughs> but what I mean is like, that feels like 
a prestigious thing. It doesn't feel like I'm pushing content through the machine. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Because it's, it comes in, it's, it's one story. It's hardcover. It's published. Right. It's not part of the, the Netflix, Amazon. It's a craftsman, not a workman. Eight, yeah. That HBO. Let's just, let's just dump content. Right. Because we want you to, we want you to get your, we want you to get Amazon prime or your comiXology subscription. We want you to be a comiXology member. And so if you're going to like, here, here's all the stuff you can read for free. If you were a member, you know, you know who does that? Uh, Frank Miller. Uh, we think about like, remember when Netflix bought all that Frank Miller stuff? Uh, uh, uh Frank Miller or Millar? Millar. Like, yeah, Millar. Not, not Frank yeah. Miller. Yeah. Chrononauts. The other one. Yeah. Millar. Yeah. 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 Uh, Frank Millar. I think he still says Miller, but it's not Frank. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's not. No, who am I thinking of? No. What's his first name? Um, Mark Millar. I know. Mark Miller, yeah. Uh, yeah there yeah. we go, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, um, uh, like, you have, like, major stuff that works. But then you have, like, yeah. like a bunch of just, like, small stuff. Like, wait, how, he wrote this? When did this come out? Like, oh, it's just this kind, right. of, kind of thing. And I, and I like that, I, you know, as a creative person, like, you, that's what it is. It's just, like, you just got to keep creating and, you know... Some of them are, are going to be gems, and some of them are going to be serviceable, and some of them are going to be okay, and some of them are going to be stinkers. And I like that Scott Snyder is pushing himself like he's like, I'm just going to tell stories. I'm just right. going to tell stories. And I, and I think there's something really cool about that. And I will, I will say this right here. If it weren't for Frank Avia, I probably would not have said, hey, let's read this. This particular right? one, yeah, yeah. I like Scott Snyder. But I think, like, had it been a different artist and it hadn't been, I it would have to see who the artist was in order for me to read it. Right. Because Scott, Scott, I think Scott Snyder's good. He's a good writer, but he's not a writer where I'm like, I got to read what he does. Well, and right? the, the market right now is so saturated with monster horror books right now that are just right. a little bit subpar, honestly, where it's like a good premise or a cool cover or a nice title. And then you get into it and you're like, oh, this is a slog. Yeah, and uh, you just said covers. Let's talk about the covers for these. Things. Oh yeah, the those. I mean, that's what Frank Avia does. I mean, yes. like he, his Instagram is literally just. He will watch a TV show that he really likes, and literally the night that it airs, he does a quick, like poster for that episode. Well, you gave so, me like, you the, gave me that Archie collection of those Archie covers. Yeah, like this is what he does really, really well. Is this sort of like poster imagery? So the covers on these are just, they're all creepy and fantastic. And like, they show images that are just, and he has a real sort of art design to it. His like art element too. So that red, that sort of burnt red is Mm. throughout all of the covers. Um, And that sort of like, that wiry frame stuff is in all of them. And I think he's, he's a great cover artist too. Yeah. If you gridded these together, it'd be a cool poster, you know, all six, all six of them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's a great artist. Great stuff. Did you have a, 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 in particular, uh, uh, panel that was your favorite panel? Um, Yeah. I'm, I think it was in book four. Let me, did I mark it? Um, if you have one, go ahead as I'm pulling mine up. I, I thought this was just it. Um, there was one. It's when his son is crawling underneath the. He's outside and then he's trying to get back in. And now I can't. Oh find yes, it, yes, I know what you're talking about. That's like it, in book uh, uh, four. I it might say. be book four as well. Mine's in and book. it's just a. It's just a really cool. 
it just shows why Francovia is good at what he does. Like there's the rain coming down and um, this is, it's like really, really sparse art. Oh, okay. Um, but he does something magnificent mm-hmm. with it. Right. Mm-hmm. Like the, it reminds me of Batman, the animated series, right. That's sort of like very, I'm going to use three colors and it's going to feel like a very multi-dimensional piece of art. Right. I'm using the most spare like palette to make that happen. And I think that's just a really good, and that whole page is sort of like, you can see him and then it focuses in. And as he gets deeper, it just is more black and more black Mm -hmm. and more black and the shadows take over. And he just does that kind of work really well. Uh, Mine's on uh, issue four, page uh, 10. Uh, It's two panels. Uh, It's the, uh, the top one has this great image of like the almost alien chest burster, you know, the thing yeah. coming out of his mouth. So I like that image. But what I really like in this is as the story goes on and the flashback gets goes on more, the panels start to deteriorate more because we're getting close to the end of that film. And right. that's, and it slowly reminds you that, oh, wait, wait, this is a, a film. So he's been telling you, reminding you this is not the actual flashback. This is the film of his grandfather's story. And as we get closer to the end of it, we start to see that fire damage in the art itself. And again, I always love it when people bring panel structure into the story itself. And so they do something interesting and new with it. And he does. And and that I think is the thing that makes this story stand out and makes this story different than some of the other horror books. And you mentioned like, I mean, it does play with genre. It does use tropes, just like everything we read has been done at some point somehow, but it's the twist and it's the thing that you do differently and making the film be that different thing that we're flashing back to watching a Hollywood production. Right. Um, is what's really, I think, which is, is what's unique to it. Unique to it. And right? I, I don't and really think, and I like it. that. I don't think that you have to have change a genre when you get into it. Right. I think hmm. just sometimes adding, putting one little stamp on it. One little thing is, is enough to, uh, uh, uh necessitate a six issue read, you know? Right. I see- mean, that's, I think that's the other part of it. Six issues. Yeah. Right. I mean, you read half of it today, like in an hour before we we did this episode. So it really is one of those things where like, and I think that's the other piece where you just mentioned this is going to come out, Dark Horse is going to publish it. This would be one of those, it'd be really kind of a quick gift for somebody. Right. Right. Like here's a quick, because I assume. If it's priced, if it's priced well. That's that's what I'm curious. Is it a $10 price point? Because it's. A nine ninety nine is uh, perfect, and I and I, that is great. It would be the perfect sort of price point for it, but it is six issues, so it might be closer to fifteen, right? Mm-hmm. But I what would what would deter me is the twenty some dollar hardcover. I wouldn't want this in twenty some dollar hardcover, no. and it would be hard for me to buy someone it. And I and I maybe I say that in reality, what's twenty bucks right now when? filling up my tank cost me as much as it does but you know what i mean like it that ten dollar though because it's already been out it's not it's prestige already been it's read. not a prestige story yeah yeah no yeah, and yeah. It, because it's already been out and i could have read it for free charging me twenty dollars for it seems weird yeah um because i'm i you know having been a comiXology member or you know at a, a, a you know being part of am you know being an amazon prime member i get it for free um not really because i'm paying you know, sure, yearly to, 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 to get access to it. But 
it would be hard for me to then go pay 20 some dollars for it. Right. Um, I remember like every image title that volume one was 10 bucks. I mean, that's what the show is, was based on. Right. At, at, in our, our first two years was uh-huh. like $10 image volume ones. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. The amount of them we read, but that is the perfect price point for a book like this. Yep. It takes you two hours to read it. I mean, like it's your movie ticket price. No, it's, 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 I like it a digital. I think this is a streaming comic. I think this yeah. is just like anything. It's part you. of this larger service. And I think that's kind of where I've ended with this uh, comicsology thing. I'm like, oh, I see what they're trying to do. It's just like, as you said, that content that's accessible, yeah. that you have the membership anyways. Anyone can read it. It's easy to pull up, put onto your Kindle. It, it's, right. it's quickly consumed. And honestly, probably going to be quickly forgotten about, but not in a bad way. But the same way no. that I'll, I'll stream, like, a, a, you know, like you said, like a Netflix show. And I be literally, like, it was we, okay. We just watched uh, a new, like, a six-episode season of Iron Chef that Netflix just dropped. Yeah. Oh, yeah, well, I'll watch that yeah. in two days, right? Like, yeah. whatever, right? Sure, give me three episodes oh, today, the new, three episodes tomorrow. Uh, the new Queer Eye. Is out right? Hey, perfect. <laughs> that, I mean, it's like let's just let's, yeah. I'm gonna totally binge it and watch it, and that's what this feels like. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that, right? I think if we love comics as a medium, there has to be room for just a show to watch. Yeah, not everything has to be the prestige, whatever. And I in look if, if Snyder and and Frank Avia are able to make money off this in this interim, I wonder what. That's the thing I want to know. What is what does Amazon pay them? per book to yeah well this, it was right? a deal it's like a series you know like so right like, so like how much did i, I mean i don't really know because so it's got to be they got to pay they've got to pay be paying scott Snyder. deals with scott Snyder is the best jacket press and then best jacket press takes whatever that contract is worth and then divides it out to the like oh i'll right. pay frank i'm sure he's got to pay them similar because i'm sure they talk and like cider paid you this much for your six issues you pay me this well, much you know that's what i'm like that's what i'm curious about is like what is it and I think that this is an interesting way to do it, right? Artists, writers need to write. They need to make money. They like, this is their craft. Like, yes, it's art, but it's also what they do for employment. So I, lo- I consume that content. I like comic books. I am perfectly fine with this way of giving me, it gives me more stories to read it gives that the, aren't Batman. It gives and the, I love Batman, right? <laughs> it gives the writer the money to pick the artists he wants and pay them. And Scott Snyder is yeah. a big writer, so he probably got a big contract. But I mean, in a similar model, it's like, oh, we like your story. We're going to give you this much. You go pick your artist. Here's your budget. Or like, here's yeah. how much we're giving you. You decide how much you want to give to the artist. So like, right. it, like, if I wrote something and they're like, here's how much we're going to give it to you. And I was like, well, I could keep a lot of this and then get like a third tier artist or... I, I, this is my story. I want to see it done the best. I'm going to take right. the loss and I'm going to give most of it to the artist. And I think that's a, uh, 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 interesting gun to hand a writer, you know? Right. Right. And I, I think, I think it's going to give you some really good stuff and some stuff that's okay. Yeah. Right. So who do you give this to Travis? Who do you give this to? Or who do you tell to go check it out? Because if they have Amazon, they can go read it. Yeah, I think my recommendation would fit in with that model of what I what I was talking about. Um, uh, people who okay, I'll get very very specific because I've been doing a lot of traveling. People who have tablets and they're like going to be on a plane or like a long trip, and like I don't want to be like go pay 
uh, you might not like this, so you don't get paid for it. It's free. Hey, you know what? There's some, and I would, I wouldn't even be specific about this book. I would say, hey, do you have Amazon Prime? Oh, cool. You're going on a trip. Go check out. Type in their Amazon Originals. They're free. Find one you like. Yeah. Here's a couple that I read, and check it out. And you don't, and you don't need Comics Dollar. You can read it through Kindle. So yeah. if you're yeah, just, if you're used, if you're used to using the Kindle app, yeah, you can find. all all of them just through the Kindle app. You don't have that comicsology thing. And I think that that's, that's a selling point right there. Uh, we've got it. We'll have to do, we've got a spooky book that's going to have to be in October. So we're going to have to read some unspooky stuff for the next couple months before I know. we do our, our, our Halloween spooky book. Um, so I, you know, I, I think the same thing as you, I, there are people who like the genre, who like the twilight zone, who like that sort of thing. If you have a Kindle, go read it. Yeah, go check it out. I would recommend it to people right? to check out the model more so than the book. Just be like, go on there, see what's see. There's a there's several of them like this. See if any of them strike your fancy. Read the synopsis, right? Just or just click read the first issue and like yeah. flip through it. And if honestly, it cool, read if it. you start with Scott Snyder's eight books, like Scott Snyder is a solid writer. Uh, look at the art. See which artist you like. It's not going to be a bad story. I can't imagine if you pick any of no. his eight. And so poke around. If you, if you like Jacques, if you like, oh, who's this Jacques guy? Like, I want to read that. And it's Scott Snyder. You like that one. If you want Capullo, yeah. you got Capullo on there. Yeah. Uh, so, folks, thank you so much for tuning in. You know that you can find us uh, at ComicExposure.com. All the episodes are there with all those glorious show notes. You can find us on uh, all of the platforms where you, you listen to podcasts. Uh, so subscribe, like, share. Um, whatever you do on Spotify. That's why I listen to all my podcasts on Spotify, but I have no idea how you rate anything on Spotify. I don't think so but either. I, I'm still more an Apple guy. I need to move over I, to Spotify because I listen to I my was, music there. Yeah. That's, I, I was an Apple guy and then I moved. I just listened to everything on Spotify and it, I don't have to flip back and yeah. forth between. I don't know why I don't do that. And, and I need so to, it's just every, have it. Yeah, it is. You just get a new habit. So whatever your habit is, uh, thank you for tuning in. If you're listening to it on something and you're like, why do I listen to it on this? Go find it on another service. We're yeah. there. We're hanging out. We're talking comic books. Uh, we've got books coming up. Uh, we've got some discussions coming up, and we're looking forward to it. Uh, Travis is moving to Germany, so we took that big gap for the summer. Yeah, and hopefully not a big gap. Yeah, I think, I, think we'll, I think we'll. I think I think we'll be able to work it out with uh, the thing, especially when this drops. Uh, we should be uh, in the zone. I don't have the internet. I'm bringing my podcasting stuff. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. All right, folks. Thanks so much. And we'll see you next trade.